Morning, Crossfire. Morning. Boy, it's good to be back with you. I feel like I haven't seen you in a while. Enjoyed some time away for vacation, but uh, it's great to be back together again. So Fishbone is one of the three major mission uh, uh, ministries that we support as First United Methodist Church across our campuses. We, we support work that's happening in Honduras. We support some work that's happening with veterans in Texas, and we support Fishbone right here in town. So when you give to missions, that's where your dollars, a good bit of your dollars go to our commitments to those three places. And as, as you saw there, one of the real tangible ways that you can help us uh, be in ministry with Fishbone is to help us with the backpack ministry. So I hope that you'll consider that uh, for sure. Hey, before we get started, I want to ask you to pray with me for a part of our team who is in the hospital right now. Our director of financial ministries, uh, Michelle Campbell, is in intensive care in Butler Hospital with bacterial meningitis. And so uh, I'm just going to ask that, uh, that you join me in praying for her and for her girls, for Haley and Kendall, for John, her husband, for their family, and for restoration of health uh, for Michelle in the days to come. So would you pray with me? God, how thankful we are for all of the people that you've put together on this team of leadership here at First Church. I, I am honored to serve with them, to lead them, to be partners with them. We are thankful for the ministry, God, that you do through them for us. We pray especially this morning for Michelle. We're thinking about her and we're asking that your Holy Spirit will stretch across the, the alleyways and the streets and the blocks from here to Butler Hospital and that this very moment she might know our prayers and your love and your healing. Strengthen her family, God. Stand close to them. Give them your peace to know that, uh, that Michelle rests safely and solidly in your healing hands. We pray for every doctor and nurse that will have their hands on her in any way, that they would be your vessels of love and healing and hope and peace. Thank you for these moments that we have together to worship. Thank you, God, for the word that you have prepared for us to hear. My deep prayer, God, is that you would speak to our hearts right where we are and that you would do that either through me or in spite of me. In the name of Christ, we pray. And everyone said, amen. So let me ask you a quick question. If you were to hear me say the word Pittsburgh, what things come into your mind? Steelers, I heard. Pirates, I heard. Potholes, I heard. What else? Permanis. Bridges. Did you know that Pittsburgh is known as the city of bridges? According to a 2006 study, Pittsburgh has 446 of them. 446 bridges in Pittsburgh. Hannah and I spent a little time researching it, and when we looked on Wikipedia, this is what Wikipedia says about the bridges in Pittsburgh. Without bridges, the Pittsburgh region would be a series of fragmented valleys, hillsides, river plains, and isolated communities. Think about that. Without bridges, the Pittsburgh region would be a series of fragmented valleys, hillsides, river plains, and isolated communities. 
There's a word in the Latin language for a religious leader, and the word is pontifex. Pontifex means pathmaker, but it also means bridge builder. Now, what does that suggest? It suggests to me that part of what it means to follow Jesus Christ is building bridges. A bridge, you see, is something that is, stands in between two places that are not accessible to each other. And the bridge provides accessibility. A bridge doesn't choose a side. A bridge connects two sides that otherwise are inaccessible. Have you ever thought of yourself as a bridge builder? You ever thought of yourself, not necessarily in, in the literal sense, that is that you go out every day and bang on steel, but maybe some of you do. I don't know that. But think about being a bridge builder in terms of being a connector between two things that are somehow separate from one another. The word pontifex suggests that part of what it means to follow Jesus is to be a bridge builder. Would it surprise you to know that bridge building is in the Beatitudes? We're looking at Beatitudes, Matthew chapter 5, the first part of the Sermon on the Mount, Jesus was gathered on a hillside. A lot of the people that wanted to hear what he had to say gathered to him, and he began to teach them, and he began the sermon with Beatitudes. We've been looking at them over the summer, talking about what it means to live the blessed life. So I want you to listen as we kind of rehash where we've been, relook at where we've been. I want you to listen for something that might make you think about bridge building. Okay, here's the text. When Jesus saw the crowds, he went up the mountain, and after he sat down, his disciples came to him. Then he began to speak and taught them, saying, Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are those who mourn, for they will be comforted. Blessed are the meek, for they will inherit the earth. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they will be filled. Blessed are the merciful, for they will receive mercy. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they will see God. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they will be called children of God. Read that last one with me. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they will be called children of God. Do you hear anything in there about being a bridge builder. Okay, this is the interactive part now. Okay, what's, what's the word that might suggest bridge building? Peacemaker. To be a peacemaker is to be a bridge builder. The second half of the Bible, what we call the New Testament, was written in the Greek language originally. And the Greek word for peacemaker means this, to cultivate peace and concord. The word that kind of jumps off the page for me there is the word cultivate. What does it mean to cultivate something? To grow something. To make conditions ready and optimum for flowers, vegetables, whatever you you want to grow for it to grow. To be a peacemaker is to cultivate peace and concord. Provide opportunities for peace to grow. The actual English word peacemaker means to enable peace to happen by reconciling adversaries. 
by being a person that can reconcile people that are adverse to each other. So, so to be a peacemaker is to allow God to use you and to use me to cultivate peace by reconciling adversaries. Now, there's a difference between peacekeeping and peacemaking. Do you agree? Think about it. Now, I know I've been gone a few weeks. We have to get back into the routine of you responding to me. There's a difference between peacekeeping and peacemaking. We probably all know somebody who is a peacekeeper. They're the kind of folks that basically are all about just trying to keep everybody getting along. Peacekeeping. They don't worry so much about the cause of the conflict. In fact, the cause of the conflict is kind of pushed to the periphery a little bit. What they're most interested in is that everybody can just get along. That's peacekeeping. Not much time is given to the reasons behind the conflict. Peacemaking is a little different. Peacemaking is finding a way to get to a place of understanding. Maybe you've heard the phrase before, he or she needs to make peace with their past. Have you said that? You heard that before? Thank you. Maybe you've heard somebody talk about needing to make peace with this person or that person. Maybe somebody is, is passed away and, and, and somebody has struggled with that and they need to make peace with that. They need to come to a place of understanding, understanding the role their past has played, understanding what it means to have been in relationship with this particular person. Peacemaking is about trying to come to a place of understanding understanding why there is conflict in the first place. Peacekeeping doesn't worry about that. It's just about trying to help everybody get along. Peacemaking is trying to come to a place of understanding. Now, here's the truth. And if you've been a peacemaker before, you know that to try to make peace in certain situations puts you right smack dab in the middle of things. It means that you are right in the middle of the challenge. And you're not there to try to just hold things together. You're there to try to bring things together. Have anybody in this room ever found themselves in the middle of something before? You know what I'm talking about. That place is a hard place. And it's often a messy place. And it's often a tiring place. Is it not? It's hard to stand in the middle working to make peace. That's why it becomes very evident very quickly that to be a peacemaker, you can't rely just on your own strength. The ability to be peacemakers, sisters and brothers, comes directly from a sense of peace down deep inside us. The ability to stand in the middle and bring people together in a place of understanding comes from a knowledge and a confidence that down deep inside, you know who you are and you're at peace with who you are as a person. What does inner peace look like? What does it mean? Inner peace is that place, sisters and brothers, where we're able to say, it's okay, even when it might not be. To have that sense of inner peace is the ability to look at the world around you that is not at peace at all and be able to say, it's okay, 
It's okay. There's a, there's a passage in, first, in uh, Philippians that says this, Do not be anxious about anything, but in every situation, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your requests to God. All of your life, in all of the aspects of life, don't be anxious about it, but direct it to God. Direct life to God. Hold life before God. Give life to God. And what does God do in response? And the peace of God, which goes beyond all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Do do you see it? You see that if we are willing to say, God, I want your peace in my spirit, and I will start my life with you, then the, the response to God is that inner peace that we need to be peacemakers. You see, it goes beyond, inner peace goes beyond just this sense of what we feel about something. It goes beyond our emotions. Inner peace, friends, is the ability to say, because of Jesus Christ, because of who I am as a child of God, I, it's going to be okay, even when the healing doesn't come. Because of Jesus Christ, it's going to be okay when the comfort I need for my spirit seems elusive. It's going to be okay when the things that I know need to change in my life, in the world, in our church, even when it seems to be a long time in coming, it's going to be okay because of Jesus. It's going to be okay when the clouds of depression hang so heavy that I wonder if the sun will ever come out again. You see, inner peace comes from the absolute connection to Jesus Christ that says, even when it doesn't feel peaceful, I am at peace because of my connection to Jesus Christ. Are you with me out there? Because of my connection to Jesus. Now, how do you you get connected to Jesus? How do you get your life to be grounded in Jesus Christ and to stay grounded in Jesus Christ? I'm going to sound like a broken record, but i got to help you to understand what this is. How do you get grounded and stay grounded in Jesus Christ? You consistently put yourself in the places Jesus promises to be. You get grounded in Jesus and you stay grounded in your connection to Jesus by putting yourself consistently in the places where Jesus promises to be. Scripture, prayer, worship, generosity, service, all of that in connection, in fellowship with other people on the journey. Aren't you glad you don't have to take this journey by yourself? Aren't you glad that God has given us one another? God has given us each other to journey along the way. So there's a There's a guy that's at the beginning of this story that we call Methodism. And the guy at the beginning of this story that we call Methodism is a guy named John Wesley. He was an Anglican priest in the Church of England in the early 1700s. That's where our story as United Methodists gets its start. Wesley was a guy that was pretty faithful to practicing the things that are on the screen in front of you. He he had a methodical way. Gee, where do you suppose the word Methodist came from? He had a methodical way of reading Scripture, of praying, of fasting, of giving himself in service to others. And so they called John and the people that were around him, they called them, what do you suppose? Methodists. 
One of John Wesley's friends was a guy named Peter Bowler. He was a Moravian. And John, one particular day, was talking to Peter Bowler, and and John said to Peter, you know, I've been practicing all of these things faithfully, but the, the real peace in my spirit just eludes me. Am I doing something wrong? And here's what Peter Bowler said to him. Peter said, John, you preach faith till you have it. And when you have it, you'll preach faith. Think about it. You preach faith till you have it. And when you have it, you'll preach faith. Now put it into this context. How do, you, how do you get grounded in Jesus Christ? How do you stay grounded in Jesus Christ? You put yourself in the places where Jesus promises to be, and you put yourself in those places consistently and regularly, and as you do that, you will find Jesus. Better, Jesus will find you. And when you're found by Jesus in those places, guess what? You'll put yourself in those places over and over again. Why? Because Jesus is there. That's how you get grounded and stay grounded in Jesus Christ. Because see, here's the truth, friends. You can't give what you don't have. You out there? You can't give what you don't have. If you and I, as, as leaders, I'm blessed to be surrounded by some amazing leaders in our church, be it paid staff, be it lay leaders, I am honored and blessed to be surrounded by these leaders. But I can say to them, just like I can say to all of you, sisters and brothers, there's no way that we are going to motivate other people to come on the journey with Jesus with us if we can't authentically talk about our own journey with Jesus. Our own journey has got to be priority. You can't share Jesus alive if Jesus isn't alive in you. You can't make peace if there isn't a peace inside of you. You can't give what you don't have. Now, why does all of this matter? Why why does it matter that I'm a peacemaker? Is it really that important that I'm a peacemaker? Can I answer that question by saying this? El Paso, Texas, Dayton, Ohio. You out there? Why is it important that we become peacemakers? El Paso, Texas. Dayton, Ohio. And all of the other places where peace is absent. It fascinates me that the New Testament only talks about Jesus weeping in two places. The first place is when he is with Mary and Martha and their brother Lazarus, Jesus' friend, has just died. The scripture says at that moment Jesus wept. The only other place in the New Testament where Jesus weeps is when he's sitting on the Mount of Olives. The Mount of Olives is here, Jerusalem is over here, and the Kidron Valley runs between the two. And the scripture tells us that Jesus one particular day is sitting on the, on the Mount of Olives looking across the Kidron Valley to the, to the city of Jerusalem. And here's what happens. But as he came closer to Jerusalem and saw the city ahead, he began to weep. How I wish today that you of all people would understand the way to peace. 
But now it's too late. Peace is hidden from your eyes. One of the things that breaks the heart of Jesus Christ is our inability to be peaceful people. Why is it important? Why does it matter that I am a peacemaker? Can I say something strong to you this morning? El Paso, Texas, Dayton, Ohio, could those things happen in Butler, Pennsylvania? And if they do, how important will it be for you and I to be peacemakers? Did you hear what Tom Bowser said in that video, by the way? What we discovered, he said, about trying to help families and children avoid the, the, the addictive processes. Did you hear what he said? We have to start with them when? Early, when they're kids. How, how do we prevent something from, from like Dayton, Ohio happening in Butler? We get busy with peacemaking now. Why is it important that we are peacemakers? Little did I know when this message was coming together that El Paso, Texas and Dayton, Ohio would happen. It's important because conflict abounds in our world, does it not? Can I just give you another city to illustrate the fact that conflict abounds? Are you ready? Washington, D.C. Conflict abounds. Some of that conflict that's right in your face has to do with personal conflicts. Challenges like abusive relationships, stuck on addictions. Conflicts are, conflicts are right here. If you've been paying at all attention to what's been going on in the United Methodist Church in the last year or so, you know the conflict is right here within our denomination. We need peacemakers, people, bridge builders, people who are able to stand in the center of things and find a way to get folk to come together. How many of you know people in your life that stand at the poles? One of them stands over here. Do you know people who stand on the left pole? Okay, I'll wait. You know people stand on the left pole? I'm going to do something I rarely do. Do you know people who stand on the right pole? You know that too? Can I suggest to you, sisters and brothers, our hope is not the folk that stand on the poles. Our hope are the people that have the courage to stand in the middle and try to find a way to bring people together, to find a way to bring people to a place of understanding. We need folk who are willing to be bridge builders that aren't going to take sides, but are going to be a place where sides can be connected people who are willing to cultivate peace by working to reconcile adversaries. How did, how did Jesus do that? How did Jesus make peace? Jesus made peace by working on reconciliation. Hannah and I did a little work on that word. What does reconciliation look like? couple ideas came to mind. Reconciliation looks like when your bank statement and your checkbook match. <laughs> now here's the scary thing. How many of you still use checkbooks? Oh, thank you. I'm not alone. 
Reconciliation, watch this, reconciliation looks like a chronologically gifted one who has a tolerable relationship with one of these. That's reconciliation. Hannah and I discovered that actually reconciliation is worth 18 points in Scrabble. We discovered all those things about reconciliation. But let's push it a little more. Reconciliation is the restoration of friendly relationships, right? Friendly relationships, maybe between two people who don't like to sit at, next to one another in the office. Maybe between two neighbors who would rather build a fence instead of talk to each other. Reconciliation is the restoration of, of friendly relationships. Let's, let's even push it deeper and get a little bit more radical as Jesus would. Reconciliation is the choice to forgive the person that has abused you. Reconciliation is the choice to mend the marriage that both parties have given up on. Reconciliation is the choice to seek forgiveness from somebody that I have wounded or hurt. Reconciliation is a choice to participate in a conversation with somebody who thinks radically differently than I do. To be bridge builders, to be peacemakers, is a choice to allow ourselves to be used by God to not choose sides, but to connect sides. Where might that need to happen in your life? Where are the places in your life where you have found yourself standing on the poles more often than standing in the center? Where in your life do you need to know that the power to stand in the center comes from Jesus Christ himself? He is our peace. How many of you have seen a picture that looks a little like this before? You ever seen a picture like this? There's, there's two Two places. There is, there is a cliff where God is and there is a cliff where sinful humanity is. And in between those two places is this great chasm. And the cross of Jesus Christ is the bridge across the chasm. Let's be clear about that. When you and I are called to be bridge builders, we are not called to bridge the gap between sinful humanity and a holy God. Can I give you some good news? That job's already taken. Jesus Christ has already done that. Hallelujah. For you and for me and for everybody. What's our job as bridge builders? Our job is to come alongside the guy that's standing at the one end of the road and walk with him to that point. Our job is to, bridge build, is to build bridges between people and the Savior who can set them free and give them the inner peace that they are looking for and reconcile their life to the God that loves them. That's our call. Jesus has given us the example. Jesus was willing to stand in the middle. Even though he was God, he chose to become us and take on him what the punishment was for us to be reconciled to God. Our call, our opportunity is to walk with people and build bridges between where people are 
and the Jesus Christ who can walk them across that bridge and connect them to the God that says, I will love you no matter what. That's what this is about. How many of you were here for the women's conference this past week? Anybody? Yeah, yeah. What a great conference, I'm told. Amen? A small group, but a powerful group and a wonderful experience. You know what's on this cross? There are some some things that are nailed to this cross, and the things that are nailed on this cross are basically the lies that the people who attended the conference have been told throughout their life that keeps them from being valued and keeps them from understanding who they really are as a loved and beloved child of God, a pearl of greatest price. You know, this is the message, it seems to me, that we need to build a bridge to. We need to build a bridge for people who don't know that about their, their lives, who don't understand that they are loved with a love that will never let them go. We get to build a bridge between that person's state and the cross that proclaims that love that will never let them go. Can I suggest something to you? We were having a conversation in the back, a couple of us just before the worship service started about Dayton and about El Paso. And Can I suggest to you that where the real change will start to happen in the lives of people who are tempted to commit the crimes that have been committed in the last 24 hours is when you and I get serious about peacemaking. When you and I get serious about trying to bring together people who are adversaries and find a way, are we going to get them all? Of course not. Are we going to be able to save them all? Thanks be to God, Jesus did that already. What's our job? Our job is to help people get to the cross. And if we can get people to the cross, can I suggest our world will be different? Okay, I've put you to sleep. Our world will be different if we can get people to the cross. How do you get people to the cross? You and I have to go first. We're going to get the opportunity to do that this morning. We're going to come to the moments of communion this morning. We're going to come to a time when you're going to get a little little piece of bread and we're going to invite you to eat that bread and then you're going to get a little cup and you're going to invite you to drink that cup and deposit that cup in the, in the little containers that are in the front. There'll be three stations in the front here for you to come at the direction of the ushers when the time comes. But as you come to the communion stations this morning, remember what this means. This is not just a ritual. This is a proclamation that in broken bread and blessed cup, I see Jesus Christ, who took to the cross my sin, and because on the cross he died, I am connected again. A bridge is built to the God that refuses to let me go. Let's pray together. Holy God, how thankful we are for these moments together. We want to confess, first of all, to you, God, that more often than we want to admit, we've allowed ourselves to be caught up in the battles instead of trying to find our way to the middle to be peacemakers. Forgive us, God, for the times that 
that we could have stood in the center. We could have helped adversaries find their way together. Forgive us for the times that we have let that opportunity go. And thank you for your grace and mercy, which is always new and always fresh and always receives our repentant hearts and fills them with grace and mercy and helps us to try again. So God, I don't know where the places of conflict might be in the lives of the people that I'm blessed to worship with today. Some of those conflict places, God, might be in relationships in their families. Some of them, God, might very well be in conflict with the neighbor on the other side of the fence that's been built. Some of us might be, might be really heart sick about the conflict in our nation in so many places. Many of us are heartsick about the conflict that exists within your church, be it United Methodist or beyond. I wonder, Jesus, do you weep for us like you wept for Jerusalem? Thank you, Jesus that with every opportunity that we come to you, you say, this can be the new moment. This can be the new day. So would you pour out your Holy Spirit upon us in this place today? Would you help us to look at wherever there's conflict in our lives, in our world, in our communities? Would you help us to say, how do you want me to make peace, Jesus? Maybe some of us will be called to, to make it with some kids at Fishbone to be a bridge builder in a place of challenge for them. Maybe some of us, God, are called to do that in places we haven't even seen yet, but we need to, to have the lens to see ourselves as peacemakers. So help us to do that, Jesus. And remind us, no matter what happens or where we go, it will be okay. We will have your power when our lives are grounded in you when we have made our way to the cross again, help us to help another make their way to that spot in the days to come. Help us to remember that cross, God, as we come to your table this morning, as we remember the night that you gave yourself up for us, the way that you took bread and gave thanks and broke it and shared it with your disciples saying, take and eat, for this is my body broken for you. The way, Lord, that you, you took a cup afterwards and you blessed it and said, drink from this, all of you, for this is the cup of the new covenant. My blood poured out for you and for many for the forgiveness of sins. As often as you eat and drink in this way, remember me. And so, God, as those who, who are going to serve us come forward now, and make their preparations for us to come to your table. We ask that your Holy Spirit would be poured out upon all of us in this place, upon these elements, God, simple bread, simple juice. But God, may they become for us the body and the blood of Christ, nourishing us and strengthening us and helping us again and again and again to be reminded that it doesn't matter what the lies have been that we've been told, this sacrament, this cross proclaims that we are a pearl of great price, 
a pearl that you bought with your very life on the cross. Make these elements, God, be for us the body and blood of Christ so that we can be for the world peacemakers, people who are willing to build bridges in places of hurt and conflict, striving for understanding and not just keeping everybody together. We will give you glory, God, because we know that there are folk here in our community that yet need to know you and that you are asking us to build a bridge between them and you. So God, give us the great joy of doing that somewhere this week. And we will give you thanks and praise. We will celebrate your presence. We will lift our voices together in the prayer that you have taught us to pray, saying, Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread. And forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen and amen.